0: Hello, Chris. Aiden, Brad. I'm good, man. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, it's been a bit of a hard week, and that. But um, uh, working from home, um, the rays of uh, you know the the computer screen and all of that and everything attack yeah. of the of the penal gland.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent.
0: So yeah, now um, I've been good. Other than that, what about yourself?
1: I haven't been too bad I'll be honest I mean uh, I'm, I'm fairly fortunate in that my workplace has decided that they're not gonna chuck anyone on furlough um so I've been working the whole way through this um second I, w- I won't call it a lockdown or because uh, it's it's uh you know pseudo epidemic we're going through but I've been working the whole way through um so yeah it's, I mean it's good in a way because you get to keep interacting with people you get a to keep talking to people so I'm happy I'm, I'm probably not struggling as much as some friends are um, unfortunately and obviously a lot of people going through it again the mental health is really really starting to affect a lot of people now um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm at work I'm good um, I hope everyone listening is is not not struggling too much of this I know uh, as I said I know I've got a couple of friends who are really really struggling with this so I hope you guys listening are keeping in there keep your heads up most definitely
0: I think it's definitely one of them periods where um I think I think that especially the ultimate goal of of this podcast is to give the information and um and to give people the knowledge and give them the opportunity to research things for themselves as well
1: Um, yeah of course yeah I mean when you're only hearing one side of the story it's very, very easy to become despondent with it all. To to really let it get to you. You're not they they when they're giving you half of the story and it doesn't fit. What I mean, what do you do? What do you, it's, it's not satisfying enough a reason for you to say, okay, well, it makes sense that we're locking down. It makes sense that I'm losing a job. It makes sense I'm not seeing my family. the 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 reasons to do this are just not there. Um, and a, a very good friend of mine, Nathan. Hopefully, we'll get him on the podcast as well soon said that uh depression is essentially when you're angry at something that you can't remedy and you can't get out of yourself um I think that's super super true it's definitely wow. what we're definitely what we're seeing, and it is one of those things where people are starting to get fed up because they have got all these conflictions and there's just nothing to do with them there's nowhere to go with it we just have to
0: suffer um yeah, it's crazy, absolutely crazy well um I'm pretty sure we got a jam-packed uh show tonight. We have
1: got a jam-packed show tonight.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing um, what you've got to say as well. Um I had a few people um uh, message me um directly last week and just been like, Wow, okay, I need to look at some stuff because what he was saying was like mind blowing. So
1: as is, so I just wanna to, to anyone that did give it a listen. Um and Chris did send some of your feedback over. Thank you so much for actually taking the time to listen to it and for all of your compliments as well. Um, I've never had any kind of experience uh, doing podcasts or already doing any kind of speaking and was a little bit downtrodden um, last week with the uh the connecting words and things like that. No, I'm
0: trying to sort out so no way, man. You're, you're natural. Absolutely natural, bro.
1: So many of you guys come back with really, really nice stuff. So thank you honestly, thank you so much for listening and, and and bearing with me and we'll
0: we'll all get there together. Cool. So where do you want to begin?
1: Cool. So I think with where we are right now, with the media uh, and the news are coming out now and saying we've done it, we're free. The vaccine is here. It's very, very important, more so than ever now, to kind of work out how we've got to where we're going. Because not being funny, this, this through this whole thing, there's never been an easy moment. Um, they've they've gone the whole thing with right. First of all, there's a pandemic, and obviously in the beginning, the very first lockdown, many of us were extremely good, and we we behaved, we we followed the rules as we were told to. Then it was, right, you've got to wear masks, even though there's there's no studies that say definitively that masks work, that masks will, will pr- protect you from the virus. And people pointed this out. And then it was, OK, well, my mask is to protect you, but I need you to wear a mask to protect me. So through this whole thing, we've not only had these constantly changing rules, but the the uh the the responsibility of protection has been taken away from ourselves so it hasn't been look after yourself wash your hands necessarily and, and and take care of yourself it's been you do this because if you do this you're saving everyone else but if people aren't doing it to you <laughs> you know they they they're coming for granny they're coming for your kids they're they're prepared to sacrifice you these selfish individuals um So there hasn't been a static moment. So I think before we all celebrate at the panacea of the vaccine coming through, we need to talk about how we've got to where we are today. And hopefully now seems to be a a big turning point where if you're a little bit worried, if you're a little bit concerned, people are going to start picking sides. So now the vaccine's here. People are going to decide. First of all is, do I want a vaccine at all? Is Is it right for me? Is it right for us? That's swapped. Now it's, what vaccine do you want? What camp are you in? Are you in Camp Moderna, Oxford, Pfizer? So they're giving you a menu to pick your vaccine. So before we jump on that,
0: let's have a little bit of a
1: look at how we got where we've got.
0: Can I just touch on, um, just before you go into it, right? Um, I just want to go back to the face mask. Um, it was funny that um, when they did say that um, you're now going to wear face mask, um, that uh, it wasn't on an actual, it wasn't on the day that they announced it, it was just a few days uh, away. And it's the same with the lockdowns as well. So the lockdowns is not on the day that, you know, we're going to go into lockdown. They'll give you a week until we go into lockdown. So if something is so urgently needed and, yeah. so, and so big, why not do it at the time? Why not do it straight away?
1: I, I find it so strange, so strange that before... All of this kicked off. I mean, you have to to, to to take note that we have never, ever worn face masks, globally mandated face masks in any pandemic situation ever in history. Um, it's uh, Before they told us to wear face masks, before they, I say told, before they forced us to wear face masks, they... There were lots of studies that coming out of the show that the reason we were not using them prior to, to this pandemic and other pandemics is that they were they were very um, they, they just didn't work. Frankly, they they just didn't work, and people would go, "Oh well, if they don't work, why do surgeons use them?" The thing with surgeons is, before you go into surgery, you sterilize your hands, you put gloves on, you sterilize the gloves, the patient is sterilized, you're in a sterilized room. And you don't touch that mask. That mask stays on for the whole surgery. You don't touch your face. It's not the same as putting on a mask, entering a store, leaving the store, taking the mask off, putting it on the dashboard of your car, stick it in your pocket. The next day you do the same thing. And something we're not talking about now, people are leaving their warm cars or their warm houses and they're putting a mask on. And it doesn't take any kind of uh, knowledge with science to know, as you will see in the windows, when warm meets hot, Uh, When so cold meets hot, you'll get condensation. So you're putting a mask on with your warm breath on the inside and the freezing cold of winter outside. The mask is getting condensated, it's getting full of moisture and then you stuff that wet rag into your pocket and you don't wash it. And the next day it goes back on, back on, back on. How many times do you think in that environment that that's going to stay hygienic, that's going to stay clean? And just as a testament to that, I believe it's Denmark have just finished an absolute landmark study, and it's been the biggest study so far on mask wearing. that's that's happened. And at the conclusion of the study, they said that masks make no significant difference whatsoever to influenza or basically the, the spread of respiratory diseases and viruses. So if anyone is listening and they want to check that out, do have a, have a look on Google. The full studies are out there. There's been zero evidence that they actually work. So if you are wearing one, it's time to stop.
0: Um, with that study, has there been any coverage in the in the news in this country at all? Uh, I tell you what. So I found it
1: on an uh, an alternative, basically news site. Um, There's a really great one I use quite a lot called AboveTopSecret.com. Um, originally started out as a as a kind of website to keep up with uh, UFOs and things like that, but has very largely now turned into basically tracking uh, politics and the epidemic. Um, I found it on there, and I popped to Google to think, right, this is a massive, massive, this is a massive trial, this is a massive experiment. Uh, it's obviously got some very groundbreaking revelations for us, especially of all wearing masks. You couldn't find it anywhere. You could find it nowhere, no BBC, no Sky News. The only place I could find it was tiny little snippets on other websites that were on page three, four, five of Google, and obviously who really goes that far when they're kind of looking? So it has been almost completely whitewashed um by the by the by google by the big tech giants um and and really by any of the mainstream news when it should have been front page but of course they don't want you to take that mask off because if you take the mask off and you stop talking about it the pandemic disappears that was the point first of all people were saying well i'm seeing my friends and family uh, and my neighbors outside no one i know has got this and no one i know who knows anyone that's got this, there was no real evidence apart from them telling you that it existed, that it existed, and it it seemed that, you know, towards the end of the, towards maybe that June sort of time, especially when it started getting warmer, people were saying, I'm not staying indoors, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to spend time with my kids, And, and me and my partner used to take walks around that time anyway, and it was, Absolutely refreshing seeing so many. You know, our local park at the beginning, around the April time, was dead. Um, you, 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 there was no one there. It was a complete empty graveyard. It was so eerie to walk through a massive park and through the woods, and there's just nothing there apart from birdsong. That was the only refreshing part. And then you slowly see families creeping out, creeping out, and it was as if what it what it reminded me of is is these dystopian films when the 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 grid goes down. And there's no electronics anymore. And all the families just go outside and it's like they're discovering nature for the first time. So you have had so many parents playing with their kids and it was just it was honestly the most beautiful sight to see. And people had, had basically they didn't believe it anymore. Or they were saying, you know, it's not as bad as we're being led to believe. And then straight away, you need to wear masks because it's common sense. Backed up by what? Backed up by what study? By what science? By none, but it's common sense. And all of a sudden, everyone had to wear a mask all the time. And they got to the case now where if you wanted to forget about it, if you wanted to essentially say, I'm seeing no evidence of this when I turn my TV off, they're saying, we're not going to let you forget. Everywhere you look now, you're going to see this muzzled NPC, this silhouette of a, of a character, you have an unlocked jet, um, that, 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 that won't let you forget, won't let you have a moment's peace. And uh, it, it does frustrate me. The amount of people I'm seeing recently that are driving in their cars and standing out in the fresh air, nowhere near anyone. We are, we are acclimating to wearing these masks all the time now. But as I said, there's, there's been actual several studies now. So there was another study um, that was done on soldiers. So they, they tested about 3,000 soldiers. One they had basically uh, followed the rules exactly, and they were monitored. So this is a good point. They were monitored 24-7. They were set apart from the other soldiers who were not taking any kinds of restrictions in regards to hand-washing, mask-wearing. I think by the end of it, they were st- uh, statistically insignificant difference. And this was across about six weeks. So there was no difference between the mask-wearing and the uh, the, the mask-wearers. So we've got two good studies now, which are suit large-scale studies as well, verifiable, peer-reviewed, which are saying masks do not work whatsoever.
0: Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting um it's just, it's crazy it's absolutely crazy i think um the thing for me is that when i look outside and um and i see people wearing masks especially um another thing that 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 is kind of frustration frustrating is um seeing there's no expressions from anyone you can't see their expressions um it's almost like people are turning into zombies pretty much um people have called out my name wearing a face mask and I'm struggling to identify who they are of course people people don't like them people do
1: not like the the amount of uh, people I'll speak to so if I'm at my job and people walk in and I'm going to greet them I'm going to talk to them we're going to sit down to maybe discuss a sale oh, one of the first things oh I need to take this mask off can I take this mask off and I'll be you take that mask off <laughs> straight away take it off um, and it's there is never that taking it off was it isn't followed by oh thank god yeah, do yeah. it it, you know what I mean they're, 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 they're saying in the beginning well they're uncomfortable but you'll get used to them since when has that bit? you know I'm sure at a certain stage in torture you'd get used to it as well but that doesn't mean it's something that should happen to you just because you can get used to it um, we are seeing a lot of people more so in supermarkets now at the beginning it seemed if you didn't wear one and you walked through a supermarket, you were you could have been a leper with arms falling off because everyone had to look at you and, and the double takes. And now we're seeing gradually, only gradually more people not wearing them. Um, and I do salute those people because the the, the the social stigma that just myself and my partner have had to face for not wearing a mask. And she was accosted the other day in an elevator where she went to get in an elevator where a chap was already in there in a mask. And he said, you're not coming in here and stood in front of the lift. Wow. And she said, well, why not? Because you're not wearing a mask. My son's in here with me. You're not coming in if you're not wearing a mask. Um and luckily her mum is a little bit of a uh bit of a firecracker and, and, and shut this man down in no short order who did step back. But um yeah, we're we, we're being treated as so we're kind of, you know, second class citizens, as we're 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 the infected, we're the contaminated, that we're dirty or we're it is it's, it's awful but people are slowly starting to say i'm not gonna wear this this is not working for me so that's fantastic effort to anyone has,
0: has decided to put the muzzle down i mean it is um oxygen going in and uh um, carbon dioxide going out the waste product and uh um i fight i struggle to understand why anybody would like to circulate that um uh, that waste product back into your your system it is is, is,
1: is fear. That's what it is. It's fear. It's it's people not wanting to go against the censor, to go against the status quo, because it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's it's really not. And again, they they also do not have access to the information that if they do get attacked by these these individuals, they don't really have the the belief, the evidence to say, well, this is why I'm not wearing it. Um, and most people are doing it for a quiet life, and that's really
0: all. I think um, also one of the other things is that, as well was that when the announcement was first made, um, I think um, my missus was like, okay, so you you got to wear a mask. I said, no, nah, I'm not wearing one. She said, oh, but how are you going to buy anything? And I said, well, I just won't go to the shops then. She said, you mm. can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And I think even in within myself, I was like, Phew, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live? And... Um, obviously they didn't they hadn't there was there was nothing out there talking about exemptions it was only because um the shopping um center that i went to i i know all the security there and uh and i was so my missus she went into a shop i was standing outside of the shop and then one of my friends who was security was like oh why are you outside the shop i said oh because i ain't got a face mask so i can't go in the shops now he said yeah he said Like, are you exempt from from anything? And um, I was just like, what do you mean? And uh, he went through the list of the exemptions and that. And then I said, yeah, I've got one of those. He said, yeah, you can go in. I said, how? He said, just say you're exempt. I said, is it? Is that how you do it? And this is on the first day. Mm. So I said, is that how you do it? And he said, yeah. Like, it's there. It's in the guidelines of the government. Mm. But they, they never said this. No. no. So, so they're very good at. Um, so this is for me when I'm I'm thinking now. Obviously, there's a lot of people that um, that probably don't still don't even know the exemptions because all you see everywhere is wear a face covering, wear a face covering everywhere, plastered everywhere. Yeah, it's, there's it's, nothing to say ah oh, um, unless you are exempt.
1: Is is one of the fundamental cases of it, essentially mind control is just to repeat something over. And over and over again. I don't know if you um if if you are so inclined. So in in the seventies, there was a uh, a top secret experiment called MK Ultra um, that you should have a if you're listening, have a quick Google of it, have a look through Wikipedia. And what MK Ultra was, they snatched citizens off the street, or they had citizens coming under the guise of um, going through certain trials or certain experiments or all these different kind of things and they got these people took them and they done the most disgusting experiments on them and we're not again this was a completely illegal act this was a, this was terrorism this was treason on a massive scale on their own citizens so even the, so this is one of the most benign things one of the most benign they would load planes up commercial aircraft with LSD back in the day when no one knew what LSD did. No one was really sure of it. No, it was uh, it was obviously created as a, as a psychoactive substance. But no one knew what the effects were. They would fly these planes at night and they would rain LSD down uh, onto these these towns and these cities and just let whatever happened, happened. And you can imagine if they did that today, if they flow past and you know, you've got your kids indoors and you've got your wife indoors or your grandparents and all of a sudden the room starts turning inside out in, you, you can imagine how absolutely traumatizing that would be for children um and and but a big part that came out in the so when when that came to light and people the the victims started coming out and saying this and it got investigated the then uh director of the cia ordered a, a destruct order for all of the files all of the documents for the experiment had them burnt, had them destroyed and this is a crazy thing so he destroyed nearly nearly everything that was there, and they still managed to acquire 20,000 individual documents for individual cases. So he destroyed 90, 95 percent, and there were still 20,000 individual experiments left over. and one of the, the, the key things in there was when you're trying to break someone down, repetition, 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 repetition over and over again until it breaks into your psyche. You've probably seen it. You know, we'll leave, um, if we leave YouTube on and we let it autoplay, we're getting now the Peppa Pig adverts where Peppa Pig and friends are running around and it's saying, wash your hands, uh, keep social distance, wear your mask in a kid's cartoon. They don't need to know about this. You don't. You shouldn't be indoctrinating children with this and especially since kids are exempt from wearing a face mask yeah so why are you forcing the children to why are you putting that in their heads that's for their parents to know do you know what i mean anyone under 10 i believe it's under 10 doesn't need to wear a face mask so why are you putting subliminal uh propaganda repetitive messaging into a program that is going to be watched almost exclusively by under 10s no one wants to ask that question No one wants to ask it. It's just we're we're letting it happen. The agony is you're seeing now children outside wearing masks, children that don't have to, but the parents, again, want to look like they're doing the right thing. They want to look like they're they're, they're selfless, but they're willing to sacrifice their children's um, not only comfort, but their safety, their social interaction. Kids need to laugh and smile and sing and do all the things that kids need to do to develop. And you're putting a a, a muzzle over their face so they can't do any of that. And
0: they can't be seen to do any of that. It's disgusting. I did see a post um, this week. Um, I'll send it to you. Um, I I think I took a screenshot of it. Um, They had babies putting on putting face masks and um you know the the window one oh the the shield, uh, shield. i call it a window um <laughs> someone um, said the other
1: day isn't it funny how uh, uh viruses can't get around a piece of plastic you know they've got the massive open surround all the way around but it, uh, you know nanoparticles of virus can't get around a, a thin <laughs> sliver of plastic it's the first time <laughs> in history that's actually happened they're miraculous bits of technology yeah
0: <laughs> Uh, I presume you're being sarcastic there. Of course. (laughs) Right, so should we move to the the V word?
1: Let's move to the T word first. Okay. So let's go into uh, uh, the the main thing that I want to let everybody know is that what we're seeing now is not a second wave. So a second wave has not happened organically they have created a second wave through testing. So in April, they were testing about 3,000 people a day. Now in October, November time, and thanks to Boris Johnson's Operation Moonshot, it's funny he used Operation, because Operation is always what precedes military documents. Operation Moonshot. So we've gone from testing 3,000 people a day to 650,000 people a day. And it's funny that with these 650,000 tests, the cases are going up as well. And that's the key language, the verbiage we need to pay attention to, cases, not deaths. And if you look at the deaths, the deaths are not following the cases. So what we need to look at is, okay, what what tests are they using? And what do these tests do? How do they work? So the tests we have been using... Since the outbreak, is something called, and you, you'll probably know the name already if you listen to radio, your first word, the PCR test, polymerase chain reaction test. So the PCR tests were created in 1985 and they were made to enhance AIDS research. Um, the creator, Carrie Mullis, actually won the Nobel Prize for it. Um, he invented the PCR test really as a, as a tool for kind of biomedical research, but particularly criminal forensics. So, although it was a fantastic test, and this is why he won the Nobel Peace Prize, although it was a fantastic test for criminal uh, forensics, the PCR test is extremely deceptive in a diagnosis of infection uh, infectious diseases. So, even the inventor himself, he argued against using uh, PCR tests as a diagnostic tool for infections. So, he said, I'm sceptical that when used to diagnose infectious diseases a PCR test is ever true. It's a great scientific research tool, but it's a horrible tool for clinical medicine. And he also said, this is quite interesting, so scientists are doing an awful lot of damage to the world in the name of helping it. I don't mind attacking my own fraternity because I'm ashamed of it. And he said that at a press conference shortly before he died. Now, I only found this out earlier and I don't want to suggest any kind of, um, what's the word? any kind of, oh, conspiracy, we'll use that. So the creator of the PCR test, the one that we're using now, the one that knew more about it than anyone else, when and where it shouldn't be used, he died three months before the coronavirus was first reported. I find it strange. I do find it strange, I'll have to admit. Um, But let's carry on anyway. So the, the the PCR test is so well known for giving inaccurate results that the America's CDC, the Centre for Disease Control, warns not to give the test to asymptomatic people. And a quote, because of the increased likelihood of a false positive result, Oxford Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine and the Chinese Centre for Disease Control, they're just often ad-libbed as a Chinese CDC, said that up to 80% of cases that have been tested since this began have been asymptomatic. So you've got the CDC saying, do not use this test on asymptomatic people. It does not work on asymptomatic people. And 80% of all the people we've tested so far have been asymptomatic. So one can conclude from that, that up to 80% of all the coronavirus cases have been false positives. And it even states on every single box of uh, the PCR test, this is not a diagnostic tool. It was never, ever meant to look for infectious diseases. And I'll tell you why it wasn't meant to test for infectious disease. So you have your swab. And what happens is the swab is not looking for coronavirus. There isn't a test that can test for COVID-19. That doesn't exist. And this was something that uh, David Icke found out very, very early Um And a lot of people were kind of in the beginning going, oh, David, oh, David Icke, oh, he always... And then he was termed to be absolutely true and it's been backed up by so many virologists and epidemiologists since. It is stated fact right now. So David Icke was right on this one. So it doesn't test for COVID-19 because it can't. What it tests for is a genetic material called RNA, which I believe is uh, ribonucleic acid. Uh, And what that is, when you've had an infection and this isn't a COVID infection, this is any infection, when you've had an infection and you've got over that infection, you have residual RNA in your system. So it's basically like the, it's the um, it's the battleground, it's the soldiers on the field, the dead soldiers after the massive war, the guys that have gone in, that have, fight, that have won the day, it's just the residual pieces of old, dead, broken down, defeated virus that do absolutely nothing. So you take your swab, your PCR swab, And that will run that swab, that sample, through cycles. Now, the creator of the test said, you should not be doing any PCR cycles past 33 tests. So he said, past 33 applications, the test only has around a 20% chance of being accurate. So if we conclude, we've not only got a test that should not be used on um to test for infectious viruses, but we've got a test that when it's done past 33 cycles, is only 20% accurate. So what are the UK and what is America and what is indeed the world, how many cycles are they running the PCR test through? So it's 40 to 45. So what we're doing is we're taking a, 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 a virus and you might have some RNA from a cold you had last year. They're cycling it up to 33 times and it will say this person isn't infectious or they might say this person has had a cold but this isn't any kind of substantial there's there's not enough RNA here to say they're still infectious and then you'll cycle it again and it will double that result and cycle it again and again and you will keep cycling over and over and over again until it says this person's positive and it's crazy so what we are seeing we're not seeing a second wave we're seeing a test that that if you've been ill in the last year or two years we're seeing a test that cannot fail to give you a, 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 a give you a positive result and that's why you've, you've i don't know if guys have, have you seen any videos floating around So there's lots of stuff on facebook there was some stuff on youtube before it was purged um where people are testing their dogs there, uh, I believe an avocado the other day actually tested positive for coronavirus. Because when you test and test and test and test, even someone who handled that avocado, who might have had some some bacteria on their hand, is going to pick up that bacteria and it's going to say it's a positive.
0: There's even been people um, who have tested, have not even done anything, and uh, just opened up the test, done nothing, put it in the packaging, sent it off, and it comes back positive.
1: Yeah I mean back in so back in when they were first talking about testing for it everyone seems to have for, have forgot so I believe the UK they bought about 50 million tests back in the early days and they had to destroy these tests because the tests themselves were had coronavirus in them and they
0: they admitted that it was contaminated yeah
1: they were con- uh, contaminated with coronavirus so you've got test kits a brand new fresh sealed surgically sealed clinical that are contaminated with coronavirus and people are wondering why they're getting positive tests and they're not being funny it's not a case of well you get a test if you're sick they're now saying you're asymptomatic but that doesn't mean you haven't got it so people are going their workplaces are going to go and we'll we'll see a lot of this coming up isn't it funny so what's going to happen we're in lockdown right now when we come out of this lockdown what are they going to say the lockdown brought down the cases of infection but when you go back to work and when they lift the restriction on travel which they said they're going to do around December 2nd what are you going to do you're going to go back to your work your work's going to go right you're coming back to work we need you to do a PCR test we need you to do a coronavirus test you go for that holiday to try and get away once we open up December 2nd you get a little Christmas break what they all say now before you fly you have to have a test and cases always lag By about four weeks. This is what we're always told. So that's why they do the the 28 days. So if you have a test, apparently they won't really know you're infectious to about 28 28 days later. So what's going to... Look at where we are right now. So we're locked down in October. Not as many people are getting tested because they're staying home. So they're worried. So they're not going to go out and get tests. They're going to open up our workplaces, open up our schools, open up our airports. We're all going to start going out. We're going to be made to have tests because people want to travel. People want to fly. British Airways has said you're not coming on the plane unless you have a test. A lot of places have said you're not uh, you're not carrying on life without a test. Workplaces are making people have a test before they come back to work. And then we're going to see a lull of about four weeks. So people are going to come out December 2nd. And what have they said? We are going to let you have Christmas, we're going to let you have Christmas, so we're going to come out, everyone's going to do mass testing again, four weeks time after Christmas, the cases have gone up, they've gone through the roof, so they're going to say, we told you, we let you out for Christmas and now everyone is infected, these, these cases are a month old because when you come out, everyone had to get these tests to, to, to carry on with life again. And they're going to say, we told you, we let you out, and now you're all infected, and now we've ah oh, we've got to lock you down again. We didn't want to. I mean, they're, they're already saying, aren't they? They're prepping you for it. We're going to let you have Christmas. We're going to let you have those five days, but we're going to lock you down come January.
0: So for every five days, there's a, no, for every day, there's five days or something like that. So it's a 25 day lockdown in January. Exactly. So
1: there it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's clever, but it really isn't. It really isn't. I mean, the amount of, um, even at my own place. So when lots of people went on furlough, they offered us all the opportunity before you come back you can have a COVID test and a lot of people particularly the older people amongst us took coronavirus tests before coming back a lot of them it didn't make sense because do you know what I mean it's almost strange you want to find out you've got coronavirus before you go home but it was before you come back to work we offer you a free coronavirus test and this was sponsored by the company themselves so loads of people there took the test. And again, 28 days later, that's what's going to be this time. So when people open up from this lockdown, they go back to their offices in London, they get on their planes to fly, they go and see their friends and family. Uh, I think my dad said he's going to, he's got a trip planned for Grand Canaria uh, early next year. And they've already sent him an email saying, before you travel, uh, it can only be a maximum of 72 hours before you have to have a negative coronavirus test. And this is something that's not happening until next year. So they've already dropped in an email saying, before you travel, no, you've got to get a test, organise your test, arrange your test. So I said, when we come out in December 2nd, the testing begins again, 4 weeks later in January we're going to be told there's a massive influx because they let us have a little bit of freedom and it's our fault we should have stayed in we should have followed the rules this is what you mix in with your family and living your life does and then they're going to use that as a as evidence to lock us down again um it's i mean it's i've I've got two more relevant quotes for you here just to go along with to, again to show how absolutely nonsensical these PCR tests are So you've got the very, very well-respected medical journal, The Lancet. And actually, this is funny. I'll just mention this before I go into it. So The Lancet, apparently last month, did their own study into masks and mask wearing. And they wouldn't publish the results of it. And people said, well, why are you not publishing the results? And they said, we've tried to, but we can't find anyone brave enough who will put it on the news. Which makes you wonder if they had results that said, yeah, mask wearing works. That's not controversial. That doesn't take any kind of bravery or courage to go along with what everyone else is saying. By elimination, that says they must have found out that they don't work and no one would print it for them. So they still haven't released the results of that study. Quite funny. But the Lancet said that PCR does not distinguish between infectious virus and non-infectious nucleic acid, which is exactly what I said before. So it can't tell. The amplification is far too high, so it literally can't tell if this was a virus you had today, last week, last month, last year, two years ago. It's just dead residual information inside you. And then you've got Dr. Carl Hennigan, who has been an absolute hero for all of this. He is the director of the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford. He said, in any other disease, we would have a clearly defined specification that would usually involve signs, symptoms, and a test result. We are moving into a biotech world where the norms of clinical, clinical reasoning are going completely out of the window. A PCR test does not equal COVID-19. It should not. But in some definitions, it does. So again, Carl Hennigan is saying to everyone, you having a positive PCR test does not mean you've got COVID-19, but depending on who you ask, it can absolutely mean you've got COVID-19. So they are using these tests to build the the faux pandemic that we're going through. As as we mentioned last time, uh, shame on me, I still can't remember the exact parlance they used. But as as Chris mentioned, that they lowered the threat level of coronavirus nine, uh, in March. They reduced its severity right, right down. And if you really look at the cases, which Carl Hennigan does and Dr. Mike Eden have done, they said that any pandemic we were going through ended in June, ended in the summer. And what we're seeing now is not a second wave. It is a manufactured pandemic of testing. That's all we're going through. So if you're thinking of getting a test... And I've had people that are getting a test just to get the test, just for the banter to say, I've got the rona, guys. If you're thinking of getting a test, don't do it. Not only are you contributing towards a lie, but you're restricting yourself because you are allowing your medical records to show that you were infectious with coronavirus. And we don't know what's coming down the pipeline. So what is banter right now might be the handcuffs around your wrists in the future that stop you from doing many of the, the, the freedoms that you have enjoyed. Stay away from the testing if you can, guys. Is If if it's life or death, grab a test and I'll give one final, final little anecdote for this. So my partner's mum, and this is just this month, had a, a lump that's been growing in her stomach and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and we were understandably terrified because next to the v word and the t word there's only one word which is a c word when you start growing lumps on your body that you don't recognize it was giving her absolutely agonizing pain she was bleeding she stopped eating we were terrified absolutely terrified went down to A and E several times and they said, No, it's nothing. It's it's just um, it might be a, a bout of IBS or it might just be an infection. Take some tablets, take some pain relief, go home. And this lump grew and grew in about two weeks to the point where when she walked around, she would put her arm underneath this lump and carry it like a like a pregnant womb. And I said, We went down to A and E pretty much every day for coming on two weeks. And eventually we went down there and we said, No, we're not going home. You're not following us we will sit here. Until you scan this, until you look into it, they gave her an ultrasound, found nothing. Then eventually they said, "Well, we're going to do a CAT scan." Uh, CAT, scans. CAT scans came up nothing, um, and they did a MRI scan. The MRI scan showed that she had a massive, massive hernia. And by the time we actually managed to get all these scans for over the over a couple of days, she was near septicemic. Um, As soon as they found out she was ill, they said, right, you need immediate surgery. But they said, before we can give you surgery, before we can offer you a place, PCR test. So they gave her a test. And before she left hospital, another PCR test. So we have to make sure you're not bringing it in. We have to make sure you're not bringing it out. But you, if anyone has been following the numbers, has been following how they're doing this, you know that if my mother-in-law died in hospital from blood poisoning from septicemia or a complication of that surgery she would have tested positive because everyone tests positive for these results she would have gone down as a COVID-19 death and we are seeing that absolutely everywhere we're seeing people that are there was a in the Daily Mail the other day a 51 year old builder fell off his ladder hit his head on the concrete got up Uh, passed out. By the time the emergency services got there, he died on the scene, went down as a COVID death. And now his family are fighting through the courts because the doctors basically said, well, he had COVID at the top of the ladder and the COVID forced him to uh, fall off the ladder. And the the blunt force trauma to the head isn't the important bit. It's the fact that the COVID knocked him off the ladder. And so we're going to put COVID as cause of death.
0: I think there's a lot of... um I was doing uh, a lot of research in the in the summertime um and I wanted to know what the reasons were for this because I did know um I knew a few people that passed away um this year and it went down as COVID and it wasn't actually that and um the families were very upset um so I wanted to realize what what you know why is this happening and um what I did find out is that um so if you tested positive, I don't know if I can't remember if it I know the hospitals were getting it, the money. I don't know if the test centers were. But if you tested positive, they get 13,000 pounds. Yep. If you if you're put on a ventilator, they get 39,000 pounds. Yep. Yep. And if, that was
1: that was opposed to something like uh yeah, and it was if you're put on a ventilator with COVID, you get as you, as you said around that thirty nine thousand. If you're put on a ventilator for influenza or regular flu, it was something like fourteen thousand. So it's specifically saying a COVID ventilator that got you that extra money.
0: Unreal. And then if uh, if if they put COVID on the death certificate, it's forty three grand. So um, I actually know I know someone um, who's from Lithuania. Um, his mum passed away mm. um, not too long ago and um, they were asking for the body um, they wanted to to bury her mm. and uh, the, the doctor said no they can't um, because obviously the, the, the pandemic that's going on at the moment right now mm. so he said okay listen um, uh, what do I need to do to get the body so the doctor said to him alright listen if you let me put COVID on a death certificate I'll give you 600 euros. No. So the guy, he lost his mind. He said, absolutely no way. Like no way. That's, you know, no way am I doing that flipped out. So obviously for me, I'm thinking, okay, so the doctor clearly is going to get money for Mm. this Mm. Mm. and willing to give up 600 euros of that money to, for this to happen so that they can push up the numbers. And which I find absolutely disgusting. And he was absolutely disgusted as well. And um, he wanted to shout out about it, but it got covered up.
1: I mean, that, that they had the same thing. So I, I can't remember the exact details. But there was a very, very, very publicised story, a very infamous story where uh, a couple had a baby and the baby died from something completely unrelated. And the hospital put it down as a COVID death. And there was a massive kickoff where they had to go to court and say this wasn't a COVID death. And that was all over the news. And eventually it came down and I think the, the, the doctor who actually put it down as COVID got investigated and he went through some kind of disciplinary process. And he said, why did you put the baby down as a COVID death? It didn't have a COVID test. It had none of the symptoms. This was very clearly a case of unfortunate infant mortality. And he said, I did it because there's a financial incentive to do it. And I mean, this has been, If even if you look at the numbers right now, so I looked at the numbers of the BBC the other day to find out where we were in regards to these excess deaths. And still under the numbers still to this day, it says the number and it says um, deaths within 28 days of a positive coronavirus test they're still marking down. As long as you've had some kind of test and you die, they're still marking
0: you on the numbers. Absolutely crazy. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to um, ask you about is, um obviously that there are p- people um, getting positives um, and then getting the no taste and no smell mm. um, symptoms. So um, in their head, I, I, I know someone that... Um, that did, that got a positive um, result. I was nowhere near them anyway. They are in a different county altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they said that they had the no taste and no smell. And obviously, you know, um, I kind of saw it, the way that they were talking, I knew they were going to be fine, which they were afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I saw it as a, a, a placebo effect, as in they, I, I feel that they did get the no taste and smell because a lot of people were saying it but where do you think the taste and smell is coming from? What What is that, do you think?
1: I mean, people are getting, uh, I think people, one of the the, the the major things that has been forgotten through for all of this is how virulent, how deadly, how lethal, good old-fashioned influenza is. So obviously, influ- I mean, if you look at uh, 2019, so 650,000 people died last year from influenza worldwide. And it's, I mean, thank God that COVID's come around because it's cured the flu. So this, this year in the world, I think we've only had about uh, poor, 350 deaths. So 650 <laughs> down, down to 300. Absolutely. We've been trying to get the, the cure for the common cold for years and COVID has come along and saved the day. So there's a silver lining for the coronavirus. I'm, I'm, I'm backing it for that. But uh, it's, it's crazy that, I mean, I've had flus before that have absolutely wiped me out. You know, literally abolish me. Well, I can't move. And when I move, everything is agony. And I've been in a, in a in a mess for absolute days and sometimes weeks after. And of course, now, when people are starting to see the numbers and the numbers are starting to, to really, um, when you're looking at percentages, not when they're saying 50,000 people have now died, when you're looking at the percentages, people are realising, hang on, these. when you look at the percentage, it's not actually as bad. When you get away from the headline of 50,000, it's not as bad. So now they're going, ah, ah, but you've forgotten something. Long COVID. And that's a new thing now, long COVID. Long COVID. And I'm not even going to... The, the, what it's called, uh, post-viral syndrome, has existed for as long as influenza existed, and it is literally as simple as... I've had the flu and it's really knocked me for six and I'm taking longer to recover than I otherwise have recovered. And not even if you're an older age individual, post-viral syndrome can be a, a, a absolutely massive burden in that for months after you cannot be right, you can have constant migraines, you can have organ damage, you can have heart issues, you can have blood issues, you can have many different issues because the state of your health is in such disrepair that you can't just shift a, a, a strain of influenza like you used to that's one of the benefits of getting young you get ill you get over it you crack on when you're older you don't necessarily get over it. so now they're saying long covid and this is another thing now so we're now we've got two things we've got to watch out we've got to give our rights and our liberties away for all the people that die and the people that don't die so we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. Because even if people go, well, I survived COVID. You go, there you go, you survived. But now I've got long COVID. I've had headaches all week. You know, I've, I haven't felt myself. And it's it is crazy. So long COVID is a new thing. The, 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 the secret killer. They say, yeah, but you might survive COVID, but you'll have all kinds of organ damage if you do. And it's nonsense because, look, again, if we're going to look at the numbers, um... So it said the other day that as of October, you 44 people in every million will get COVID. Now, we know that the vast, 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 vast majority of people survive it. So say if 44 people in a million get COVID, you might have one, maybe one, maybe half of one, maybe a percentage of one that will die over time over the numbers. And only a small percentage of them, and I believe it's quoted around about 2% of people will have long COVID. So we're looking at, into the hundreds or thousands of a percentile that will suffer from this long COVID. And again, these are people that have several comorbidities. Actually, this is a fantastic point to bring this up. So um, let me just find the numbers I'm looking for. So basically, uh, if anyone listens to talk radio... And they listen to the host, Julia Hartley Brewer. She's been actually quite active in breaking through a lot of the, the fear paradigm that we're seeing now. So, And she put these numbers up the other day. They're official numbers from the ONS. So a total of 37,000 people in the UK have died with a COVID test. 96% of that 37,000 had a pre-existing serious health condition. So we're talking they had diabetes, we're talking they had they'd suffered heart attacks, they've had cancer. So 96% have had a pre-existing condition. 54% of them were over 80 years old. So well over half were over 80 years old and 92% of them were over 60. So we've got 96% pre-existing health condition, 92% over 60 years old. Now, the total number of people under 60 years old with no underlying health problems, who died with COVID this year, since this started? What do you think, Chris? So 37,000 people have died with COVID. How many of those people under 60 with no underlying health problems have died out of 37,000? So a couple of hundred. Yeah, spot on. So 339. So out of 37,000 people... Under 60 years old, we've only lost 339 people in a full year. And wow. people people keep saying, well, if we didn't lock down, this would have been so much worse. But let me ask you this. Have we stopped flying? Have we, has London Underground been closed? No, it hasn't. So we have tens of millions of people a week traveling on London underground we have tens of millions of people flying in and out of the country we've got cars we've got traffic down shopping centers have been open obviously it used to be back in the day where when you wanted to go into a shop especially a retail store they would go right one two three four five go in the rest of you wait till that five have exited and then you know another five come in another ten come in there's none of that anymore there's no I mean we went to the to the supermarket on saturday and it was heaving you couldn't move for knocking into someone so they're saying oh well if we didn't have the what kind of restrictions have we really had if you're trying to stop a pandemic one of the first things you're going to do you're going to say right where are the where are the centers where this is going to spread travel air travel has got to be it and london underground those are the things we have to shut down and again non-essential retail non-essential retail has been open for most of the time and failing that, supermarkets have been open for most of the time. It's absolute nonsense that this says somehow we have avoided an absolute catastrophe because we've just been so great at locking down. I mean, in places like Australia and China, back I mean, back in the days when it was early, you had videos um, coming out from China where people were being barricaded in their houses. So they were bolting them in with big two by four planks of wood or chains, locking people in. Australia had a complete lockdown where you were not allowed to leave your house at all. That's not what we had in the UK. And still, we've unless you are seriously ill from another ailment or you are over sixty years old, three hundred thirty-nine people have died. And it's, I mean, is that really worth the complete? destruction of and we we have destroyed the economy make no mistake on that this is not something that we are going to bounce back from we are in the biggest recession the biggest depression of the entire history of this country far far worse than the war this is not something that we are going to bounce back from even if we get back to normal tomorrow this is something that not only our children and our grandchildren but our grandchildren's grandchildren will be paying forever
0: is Crazy, I think, even when you say those numbers, and I'm thinking back and I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, Oh, no, I did say a couple of hundred, but I, I, I kind of said it as a joke. I mean, from the way it sounds, it sounds like it's uh, it was going to be a lot higher from how everything's played off in the media,
1: yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, not being funny again, so you've when they're testing people that are ill, people that are sick, people that have terminal cancers, people that have come into hospital because they have had a colossal heart attack um and 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 then they'll die you know several hours after having this the first thing they do i mean it, it's how crazy is it that you can have a heart attack and the first thing when they rush you through those hospital doors is quick give him a swab swab the nose swab the mouth while he's unconscious yeah i mean if if if, if uh, i can't imagine if, if if i had kids and one of my kids had just been run over by a car and i carry her or his Limp body over the threshold, and they say, oh, "Hang on, sir, I've just got to stick a quick cotton bud up their nose while they're bleeding." It's insane that we've reached this level where the that that's that's how it's working. And even again with all these things, with without being ill, you three hundred thirty nine people, we've destroyed the economy and we have locked down our country, and tens of thousands have lose lost their jobs, families just absolutely decimated, broken up. I mean, I don't really know many couples that have not been going through troubles with all of this because you can't be under each other's feet for that long. So we've done so much damage to so many things because 339 people died. And again, how do they know they died from coronavirus? Because they gave them a PCR test. Can we trust the PCR test?
0: No. And um, if people are not seeing about the the economy as well, um, they always say, I think uh, a quote is, uh, if you're going to tell a lie... Um, or if you, sorry, if you're gonna put, tell a secret, put it in a book, right? Yep. And um, I probably would uh, um say to you to have a look at the anyone that's listening, um, look at um the book called um COVID nineteen the Great Reset by um Klaus Schwab um and uh, Thierry Malaret. Um, that is a very good read into the indication of what is about to happen and what is about to come with a, a big global reset going Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm
1: very excited for the time. So I'll, I'll be a little bit of a tease here. So we uh, we would like to, to to think, and I think we'll, we will provide you with a far more substantial and far more fulfilling reason for why we are all going through this. We do, I would like to say that through... I mean, this for me, I spend more time probably on this than I do my actual job. I'm constantly researching. So I'm not watching TV. I'm not doing anything. I'm coming home and I'm jumping straight onto this research. I'm writing it all down. I'm fact-checking it. I'm in, in constant back-and-forth debates. when and, and new information is constantly being brought to me. I'm constantly sourcing it. It's a, it is, At this point, it's a full-time job. Um, and I would say that we are, given that sheer amount of research that we are far more qualified to tell you what's happening and through this series we will deliver to you why this is happening, why it's happening to you what it means for your future and your family's future but we will reveal all as it goes on so unfortunately you're not going to get it in this episode you're going to have to keep tuning in, keep listening and we will give you all the information as we go um, but going from the testing I think it's time to jump into the V word Ooh. It's, it's, it's scary because, it, it, I mean, it, anyone who listens to YouTube will probably know that people have not only stopped mentioning the word COVID-19. So for a long time, they were calling it the uh, the beer virus because everyone would catch on to what they were saying without, um, without saying it. There was an algorithm in place where anytime you said coronavirus... COVID-19 the algorithm would find that video and if it found it to be anything other than an official source from the World Health Organization you were demonetized so any 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 time and again YouTube is a lot of the truth guys they are not massive channels so you'll have you'll have you know 30,000 40,000 50,000 subs which is quite good and that's just enough for you to scrape by a living with a monetized video. So if you can put adverts on there, you can make what you would make and cut you know, basic full time work, you know, 1500 a month to two grand a month here in the UK, enough for you to get by on the threat of demonetizing, man, you would do all of that work, all of that research, all of that editing and production to lose all of your money and it shut down a vast, vast majority, and the guys that are still going now have had to resort to using uh, individual donations, Patreon, and, and other donation services like that, so they can talk about this and still be able to make a living. So it is quite scary. When, when, I, when I said to Chris that I want to go over vaccines this episode, if this never reaches your <laughs> if you never hear about this, we'll know that it got shut down before we could get it to you, but there is real genuine danger these days talking about vaccines um they have had the big tech conglomerates come out this week with a a a guarantee that they're going to stamp down on what they call anti-vax rhetoric so if you are mentioning anything that goes against the official story google is looking into you facebook is looking into you um again tiktok snapchat all these guys are constantly checking for anyone bringing up vaccines in the wrong possible way. So it's it's a, it's dangerous ground we're going over, but it's something that you guys, you, you really need to hear, and it's fundamental, especially when we're being told we're getting closer and closer to the vaccine. Um, now, I have to put this disclaimer in, and I'm sure Chris will agree with me, we're not anti-vaxxers. And I, I cannot stand the phrase that's been born from the Ministry of Truth when anyone who shows a slight bit of common sense or just generally a a, a concern, genuine concern. Oh, you're an anti-vax, you're one of them, one of the anti-vaxxers. It's a lazy ad hominem that's just being thrown around now to anyone who doesn't want to necessarily just chuck a brand new virus into their kids and into themselves. And what I want to go through now is quickly, if I can, the Last, so so, what I'll say before going into this, the big concerns for people is, again, not the vaccine. So I've had pretty much all of my vaccines in school. I'm sure Chris has had his vaccines. Yep. I'm, I'm sure you sent at home have also had vaccines. You're not anti-vax. We're not anti-vax. Vaccines have saved absolutely millions of lives.
0: My children have had vaccines. Exactly. Oh.
1: Exactly. So we're not anti-vaccine. Don't ask with the anti-vaccine label. We are, for the moment, with the current available information, we are anti this vaccine. And the reason is, and again, this is a, a logical argument, this has been made very quickly, very quickly. And even the mainstream news has picked up where where, where vaccines normally take 15 to 20 years to, to go through phase one, two, three trials, testing, to be peer reviewed, to be checked, to, to go through all the stuff they have to go. This one hasn't. So this one has, has used emergency acts and legislation to be pushed through at absolutely breakneck speed. Um, many of the, the, the vaccine manufacturers are actually using the phrase warp speed in their kind of pitches for the virus. Um, not only that, I will get into this, but this is the first vaccine. In the history of vaccines, that is using an entirely brand new technology that we have never, ever, ever used in vaccines before. So we've never used this in vaccines before. But what I want to go over very quickly is if you're still on the fence, there was one other instance in history when a vaccine was rushed through. So in 1976 in America, there was an outbreak of swine flu at Fort Dix, a military base in New Jersey. Um, ultimately, it, left, it led to, to one death and about 13 other soldiers were hospitalised. Straight away, the president then, Gerald Ford, decided to, because of this rather small and, and very, very confined outbreak, decided to begin a mass immunisation programme. He basically said, we cannot let this, this swine flu spread. And jumped straight into it, and before you knew it, there were adverts on the TV uh, telling you to lift the sleeve. Everywhere you look, lift the sleeve, lift the sleeve. What are we getting now in our NHS? Inject hope. I think Mac Hancock used those words the other day. Our our nurses and doctors are soon to inject hope into the nation. But lift the sleeve. Back then, was the uh, was the, the the phrase of choice. Um, Gerald Ford himself even went on TV and uh, had some. Um, had a video play of him. Uh, look like he was getting injected, um, and generally encouraging people to um to to j- jump in, get involved. You know, save your save your fellow man. Um, you had a chap called Joseph Stetler. Uh, Joe was a spokesman for the vaccine manufacturers, and on their behalf, he requested indemnity for all the vaccine manufacturers, meaning that if you took this vaccine, you had no legal right to sue. So you, the president is saying, right, we've had an outbreak of swine flu. Vaccine guys, you need to jump on it. You need to get the whole country vaccinated for 13 individuals. The vaccine guys said, yes, yeah, sure, sure, we'll make your vaccine for you. But if we cause any damage, you can't sue. We we take no responsibility to anything that happens to you. And not only said that, and this is something that you need to, to, to hear as well. So they made two conditions. They said, right, we'll make your vaccine. We want complete legal indemnity, and you have to guarantee we'll make a profit. If you don't guarantee we're going to make a profit from this, we will not make these vaccines. At the time, the government said we will guarantee you a profit. We'll subsidize it. We will pay you to make these vaccines, but we can't grant you indemnity. We can't do it. this. Is something indemnity from a, 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 a medical um, intervention has never happened in history. The guys were happy at that time, just based off the, the profit they were guaranteed, to jump in. So around a month went by, and uh, one of the uh, researchers, uh, J. Anthony Morris he's called, uh, used to work for the FDA's biologic department, he was dismissed from his job for an undisclosed act of insubordination. He went public after he was dismissed and said, I have evidence that these vaccines are not safe and they know they're not safe and they're willing to roll them out to you all the same, knowing they're not safe. Three days after he made that statement, three of the big manufacturers completely stopped all process of the vaccine. So they said, right, we're not going to make it anymore. No no reason. They just said, we're not making it. Um, The government and Gerald Ford responded by saying that outbreaks were suddenly popping up all over the country. They were popping up in other parts of the world. There was swine flu popping up in Africa, in China, in all different countries. It was spreading. It needed to be controlled. Um, These were looked into, uh, ironically, and uh, it was found that there were no other cases. It was a complete media write-up. There there had been no outbreak. There had been no other cases. It was investigated, found out to be entirely false. Um, After this happened, President Ford held a massive press conference and he said to Congress... Please, please, please grant indemnity for these manuf- uh, these vaccine manufacturers. Um, please let them create this, and don't let them face any kind of uh, any kind of kickback for making a bad vaccine. That's a, I mean, it sounds crazy, but Congress said, "Okay, well, anything happens, we'll let them off the hook." Um, and four days after he made that statement on TV to the press, um, Congress said, "Yep, we have now passed indemnity legislation, so they cannot be." Uh, they're not liable for this and again this was based on 13 confirmed cases Um, the first uh, vaccine was submitted in September in October uh, so this is the first time they tried it after the guys come out and said yep we've done it we've finished it it's safe to roll out to the public so September they said that, October they tried it three of the people that were being vaccinated died on the spot so an older lady was injected she uh, was injected, got up off the table, took a couple of steps, apparently according to the doctor and the death report, and died of a massive heart attack straight away. Um, crazy. The, the, the government, though, came out and they released a statement saying that these deaths were completely unrelated to the vaccine and that they had nothing to do with it, which is interesting because obviously when uh, the Oxford vaccine was being made, one of the uh, trials, he died instantly from the vaccine, and they said, "Oh, this has nothing to do with uh, with the with the virus. He was injected in. He died from unrelated matters. And it might have actually been a placebo, but we can't confirm whether he received the placebo or the uh, the vaccine itself. So anyway, they 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 whitewashed over this, um, and they released the vaccine as they had always scheduled to. They rolled it out all over America, and 45 million people ended up being vaccinated. Again, based on on 13 cases. Suddenly." and I hope I don't butcher this, there were mass outbreaks of what they call uh, Jelaine-Barr syndrome, which is a severe immune response, which effectively it, it damages your peripheral nervous system. So it causes breathing difficulties, heart and blood pressure problems, and several people died from it. Um, so that was rolled out that was September, October, uh, October time. They've rolled this vaccine out. Despite these three deaths, they've pushed it out. And again, this, this whole process started in January. So from January to September, we've had an outbreak of a virus. We've had them begin trials. We've had them advertise on TV and encourage the nation to get vaccinated. We've had three people die, which they've said is completely unrelated. We've had indemnity legislation that, that has meant that the government cannot be sued for any kind of uh, any, anything happening. And they've been guaranteed a profit for making these viruses as well. So we've gone all the way up to, we've had, and now we've had a mass outbreak of uh, Gillian Barr syndrome. Um, in December, that vaccine was suspended for a month. The CDC director of that time, William Furrage, stated that Gillian Barr syndrome was 400% more prevalent in the vaccinated individuals. They stopped the immunisation programme and it was never reinstated. Um, the Journal of American Medicine summarised the event saying, Poorly conceived, the attempt to vaccinate the population at breakneck speed failed in virtually every respect. As I said to Chris before, from the initial outbreaks, the initial report of that 1976 outbreak of swine flu was eight months. So with COVID, from uh, when we were locked down in March to now when we're being told the vaccine, multiple vaccines, not just one, three vaccines are concluded and ready to roll out has been nine months. So the only other vaccine we've seen in history absolutely was a complete and utter wipeout. Um, and again, many people, this is not taking into account that the vi- the vaccine that we are coming up to now, Oxford, Pfizer and uh, Moderna is a new technology. So the, the technology that we're using in the vaccine that they rushed before that resulted in all those cases of Gillian Barr, those three deaths, that was a vaccine that they've been using since 1796. So it's been around for 200 years. 200 years. And with all of the, 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 the evolutions in science, 200 years, and it still caused a lot of damage that a lot of people are, are, are still suffering from. Um, adverse drug, re- uh, drug reactions are a major cause of death still. Um, even after so if you're getting vaccines now people are still having after 200 years of research of implementation of mass vaccinations as I said on that is 45 million vaccinations in just the US just the US and that's not taking into account that all of the soldiers from the UK uh, from America from Japan were vaccinated in World War One so they have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of and hundreds of years to perfect vaccines, and they're still making mistakes like this. Um, ad, even today, adverse drug reactions, the Lancet says that adverse drug reactions could account for more than 100,000 deaths in the US every year. And just one more to go along that, in 1955, Cutter Laboratories released a polio vaccine in the US. And what normally happens when you release a vaccine, you release uh, a... Uh, basically a, a very 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 weakened strain of what you're trying to immunize against and what they did they introduced the uh live uh polio into a bunch of individual uh, they realized that the polio vaccine in uh, the polio in the vaccine had basically failed to to implement as they want to and instead of curing polio they um, 40,000 people were infected with polio. Um, It paralyzed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, men, women and children uh, and 10 children ended up dying um, as a result of that. So if we look in history, I mean, how, when did you hear about this? When is the BBC brought When have they brought up 19... Even when they're talking about how quick this virus is being rolled out, who's talking about 1976? Who's even mentioned that? Who's even brought that up? I mean, if I was a journalist and we were talking about how quickly this virus is rolling around, I would say... Let's not rush this. Let's not forget 1976. That should even be a phrase amongst the, 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 the community. Let's not forget 1970s. Let's not forget Jelaine Barr. Let's not forget the polio vaccines in 1955. Let's not forget about these because these are lessons from history that we need to be aware of, that we need to, to, to circumvent. Um, and there's been no mention of them. I, again, until that happened, I had no idea that there were such colossal um failures. And, and and not being funny, when you're being called a anti vaxxer, or that's insinuated on every post that vaccines are a hundred percent safe there. If you don't take one, you're an idiot, you're uneducated. I expected to start trying to look into historical vaccines and find nothing. And find that that that, that my concerns and the concerns of tens of thousands of others were completely unfounded. And I found just the opposite. So again guys it's this We've one instance of a, of another vaccine being rolled out that quick, and it was one of the most catastrophic failures in medical history.
0: Absolutely unreal. Absolutely unreal. Um, I'm just still kind of absorbing that information that is just like...
1: That was a, that was a, a, that was quite a diatribe, guys. So I do apologise if if it if, it, if I, uh, I did spew on for a little bit, but nah. just wanted you to get the uh, the the full story. Um, everything I've done, it's it's all uh, it's all been fact checked. It's all been back sourced. It's all been absolutely everything. So you can pop on uh, to uh, just go and Google 1976 swine flu, and uh, even when I did, nearly every other. Uh, web link on that is like the failure of the 1976 why we must learn from the swine flu vaccinations of 1976 so there's report after report after report where you can go and you can verify everything I've just told you and have a good read up on the history but when you rush these things through there is not the time uh, there's not the energy there's not the patience there's not the time and research to do these and this is a very very interesting point I want to make as well the FDA the FDA to mark a vaccine as safe to roll out only need you to prove that there is no immediate reaction so once you've been injected there's no immediate reaction and there's no short term reaction either so we're talking 2 weeks to 2 weeks to a month so if you have no adverse re- reaction in a month that vaccine is stamped safe that vaccine is rolled out pumped into your children pumped into yourself and as we know some I mean, if we look at, example, thalidomide, um, if we look at that, we didn't see negative effects of thalidomide for 10, 15, 20, 25 years after when children were being born with no arms, no legs, absolutely grotesque mutations um, and nothing came back. Look at the tobacco industry. For years and years they lobbied and had doctors say how smoking was good for you how it uh, you know developed your your voice into a nice manly tone and that was everywhere and and 50 years later we had a, a swave of lung cancer deaths purely from that so the fact that you're not hearing about it is not by mistake it's by design so they don't want you to question what's coming they don't want you to see it and again many of these websites are also being taken down because Google and the powers that be have decided that anti-vax content and that includes history no longer has a place so when I mentioned last week when I mentioned the uh the novel by George Orwell 1984 and it's also interesting to realize that the Control of Disease Acts, which is the 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 act that the the legislation they're using now to bring in all the um what would you call it all of the controls all the restrictions for COVID, um that I myself was unrest uh, arrested under about two weeks ago, that was written in 1984. So you've got a book 1984 talking about dystopian dystopian future where you're not allowed to speak, uh, and the Ministry of Truth edits something, and our uh, Disease Act for the country was written in 1984. But I said last week. That what they'll do is, when you are no longer allowed to read these things, they edit them and you have no access to them. They take them away from you. So what we're seeing is anything now that brought up kind of history and brought up anything that that was there to to make you aware of of previous vaccines. Vaccines has now been given carte blanche to be scrubbed from the internet by by Google by these massive. Uh, monolithic Silicon Valley tech companies they can just wipe all of it out because it's all falling under the rhetoric of you don't need to know we don't want to risk the public coming into any kind of anti-vaccine sentiment it has to be perfect so they've told you it's perfect and now they're deleting history wiping it away and making it inaccessible so when you go back to look there's nothing for you to find so the, now is the absolute perfect time because they've only they've only asked the tech guys to wipe all this stuff out the in the last couple of weeks. Now is the perfect time to jump on and do your research before there isn't any research left
0: to be found. Do you know what? I, I just thought of something. So um, obviously we touched a little bit on GDPR last week, um, as in like you're clicking and you're you're accepting all the terms and conditions. Mm. Um, GDPR also means um, that, uh, like the um, Data Protection Act, um, deleting data protection. Yep. Um, so, you're going to get to that stage where you, you know, especially businesses, uh, they have to delete things. They can't keep anything up to three months, I think it is. Um, well, I've, actually, I, I found this out the other day when I was looking
1: after I mentioned that because I wanted to look a bit more into GDPR. So, there were rules on GDPR, and there has now been a, what would you call it, a, a, a bylaw? a a caveat to that, where a company can claim legitimate interest. And I had a look at what constitutes legitimate interest, and there's nothing there. It's just, we will promise not to use this information in any bad way, but past that, they can say, well, we're using it for, I don't know, for, for analytics to improve our website. But as long as they use the words legitimate interest, they're allowed to do whatever they want with your information. And you'll see now, if you go on websites, it used to just be, they'd ask you if you want to turn cookies in and off, they ask you if you want to submit your uh, metadata for analytics, Um, and they'd ask you if you wanted basically like notifications, like pop-ups. Now, you'll have all of those things, and then it will say legitimate interest, legitimate interest, and it will have a full list of vendors that have access to your information if you don't untick legitimate interest. And if you open this list of vendors you'll see the list of vendors can be 10,000 different companies, organizations. So again, don't think, if you do, if you're one of these guys that click, and I strongly advise when you open websites, you don't just hit accept, you do say manage preferences, you switch them off. Don't think legitimate interests are legitimate whatsoever, switch all of that stuff off. And like me, if you find a, um, if you find a website that is intentionally obscure, and, and, and tries to hide those buttons and those ways where you can reject all, don't don't visit the website. Don't have anything to do with it. Completely strike it off your list because they're not looking out for you. Their idea is to, once you click on that site, it said in the, the good uh, Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, if it's free, you're the product. So these websites are not charging you, but they're going to take everything about you and they're either going to sell it in the best case they're going to sell your information. So you get prank calls, you get sign up to offers, you get all this stuff you just really don't want. But what they do under the legitimate interest category is really up to them.
0: I still get phone calls from uh, all these companies for a competition that um, that I decided not to take part in. And uh, they said they weren't going to do anything for my data with my data. And uh, I know it's the company because I gave them a different name and they always ask for that name. And so I'm able to say uh, no. Yeah, that's a, good, a clever way to do it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking. Um, if it's all right with you, Chris, I know we've gone from the vaccine history. I'll just quickly quickly jump into the current vaccine, which is coming now. Yeah, go I, I, I want to give the people the information of what you're, if you're thinking about getting it, if your family are thinking about getting it, you're not going to hear this stuff anywhere else. So again, in, in doing the research for this, it is an absolute nightmare trying to find this stuff out. And you often have to to, to go completely off of Google. You have to go to websites. That, you won't find it on YouTube. You have to resort to a bit shoot. You have to resort to um, obscure foreign websites that are posted on Twitter. You have to really dig around to try and find things. As I said before, um, there's different kinds of vaccines, but the ones we've all been used to, where we've all had our influenza, our measles, our polios... They're, either, they're two kinds of vaccines. They're either called live attenuated vaccines or inactivated vaccines. So live attenuated are literally, as I said before, so it's the, it's the virus, it's weakened down, so it's not much of a threat. It's then injected into you. And the idea is because it's a weak virus, because it's only a tiny percentage of what it would be if you call it naturally. You can basically build the antibodies for it in the T-cells. You can fight against it without the threat that you're really going to get overwhelmed because it's a small amount. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one-sided battle, essentially. Um, what we're seeing now is an entirely brand new kind of vaccine. And it's is so. There, as of November 2020, the only human trials that have been done on this particular technology that they're injecting us with have been these coronavirus trials. So people have stayed away from using this technology because, in past research, it's been quite unstable. They have looked at it to maybe try and help uh, the fight in cancer, but it's made next to no advances forward whatsoever. And the unlike regular vaccines, which I said introduces a weakened form of the virus you're seeking immunity from and allowing your body to basically your antibodies and your T cells to do their thing. The new MRNA vaccines use a a lab created RNA uh, sequence and it hijacks your body's protein making uh, machinery. These are called ribosomes and it forces them to create, recreate the virus inside your body. So, it's effectively injecting a blueprint of a virus into your body. It then forces your body to make that virus. So it forces your body to use its own cells to create coronavirus inside your body, hijacks you. Um, and the notion is then you're, you've are you got coronavirus and your antibodies know what it is, they recognise it, they know how to fight it. Um this is quite interesting. So, the, I mean, me and Chris, we're both spiritual. We both believe in a creator. We both believe in intelligent design. Where you are on that spectrum, it doesn't really matter. But what I want to give you is something. So when you are naturally exposed to something is a completely, completely different case of someone pushing something into you. So I will mention it's, it's, it's related and it's not. So there's a really good book by T. Colin Campbell, called The China Study and what it was t colin campbell was part of a, a massive 20-year study on chinese citizens when they were looking into ways to cure cancer and they had found the the scientists had found that when the cancer ridden patients were eating a lot of carrots strange in a lot of carrots their tumors suddenly stopped growing sometimes entirely and other times the growth rate was really really slow so the scientists looked in and they said what is it we've tested all the other things in these carrots we've tested the vitamin a we've tested the vitamin c the d we know these are not stopping the cancer growth it's not those so it's got to be the beta carotene which is where carrots get their name the, the the chemical beta carotene they then took the beta carotene out of the carrots they put it into a pill form a supplement form and they gave all the cancer sufferers the beta carotene supplement And what they found was the cancers grew quicker and more virulent than they had without beta-carotene. And it's the same if you're eating food. From from an almost uneducated perspective, you would think that, right, I put food in my mouth, I chew it, I swallow it, my stomach gets ground-up food and that helps with digestion. So what difference does it make if a machine grinds my food up and I have a pipe that goes straight into my stomach And the end result is the same. Ground food is going into my stomach. But when you chew, when you masticate food, you have individual responses in your brain that are completely absent when you're just injected with food. You have specific enzymes, starch amylase in your mouth, which develop specifically to break down. There is a whole process that was there naturally that's always been there. And the thing is with this virus, there is a big difference between you running into a bacteria Or a virus naturally it invading your body, your body and your T cells and antibodies realizing it's there and fighting it. Than someone injecting a blueprint made in a lab into your system that tells your cells, cells that are there to repair you, you know, to 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 keep your immune system going, to keep your blood healthy, to keep your hair growing, your skin growing, to cells that are there for repair. Tell your cells make a virus. So you'll have cells that are literally forcing you to make a virus. And um, I mean, the, the, as I said before, with, when I mentioned the, um, the polio vaccine that turned rancid, essentially, and when they injected it into these people, instead of immunising them against polio, it gave them polio. The mRNA is extremely fragile so that's why you'll you'll hear if you do a bit of research you'll hear with well, these viruses they have to be kept at minus 70 degrees so they have to be frozen. So if they if they're unfrozen if they're knocked even if they're handled they're knocked they're rattled the mRNA the 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 blueprint inside them is severely damaged broken apart and you're then I- I effectively injecting a damaged, a broken, an incomplete blueprint into your cells. So, But not being funny, your cells are going to try and build this blueprint whatever state it's in because that's a process. So if you've got a broken virus, they're going to create the best they possibly can from the information that you've just injected into them. So you might end up with absolutely nothing at all, but you might also end up with something far, far more virulent far far more deadly and what we've seen in the trials and this was before they knew how um, fragile this this mRNA is they've injected people and people have had severe severe lasting autoimmune condition so there's something called a type 1 interferon response have a quick wikipedia if you want to know what that is a quick google if you want to find out what that is. but it's a, it's a severe sometimes uh, life lasting sometimes chronic inflammatory and immune response in your body, which absolutely cripples you. Um, We're being told now that the Oxford vaccine, let's give up on that vaccine. You know, they're saying, oh, it's 90%. The Pfizer vaccine is around that amount, but Moderna, that's the one that we're going to be getting. That's the one to vote for. Because unlike the Oxford, which is only about 90% successful, the Moderna one is is touting about a 95% success rate. Moderna came out and in their press release on the success of their trials... And by the way, these trials weren't peer-reviewed. So no other scientist looked at these uh, trials and verified them, looked at the data, had any access to it. It was only Moderna themselves. Um, they tested 45 volunteers, and they could only demonstrate that eight out of those 45 had any kind of response to the vaccine whatsoever. Um, when it was asked whether the antibodies were activated from this, they couldn't demonstrate it, so they had to go to previous data they had from when they were injecting mice. They couldn't show that the eight individuals that had an antibody response, if those antibodies did anything to fight a virus, coronavirus, if it was just a, a, basically a system response without any effect. And obviously everyone knows who's really looked into it. There are numerous things that cannot be translated from mice into people with the exact, uh, exact same effect. Um, Of that same study of those 45 individuals, Moderna split them into three different groups, three different groups of 15. And the idea was they were going to test three different dosages. 21% of those suffered from a severe adverse reaction. So, and it's interesting, most of those reactions were reported on the second injection, not the first. But Moderna didn't tell anyone about that. So when they did their press release, they basically come out and they said, we've done it, we've got the vaccine, the vaccine is ready to go. We've tested 45 people and we've had a fantastic uh, fantastic response from our trials. And they've said eight of these people have shown a, a good response. And people have gone, oh, really? So in these eight people, you've it, it's beaten the coronavirus. And they said, yeah, well, let's go over to some data from mice where we can show that's happened. Don't talk about the eight people. Do you know what I mean? Don't talk about we 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 can't demonstrate it in the eight people, um, but they didn't mention that twenty one percent of those people had a severe adverse reaction. Now, severe adverse reactions are not. I got an itch, I got a fever, I got a headache. Severe adverse reactions are severe. Dun, dun, dun. Do you know what I mean? That we're talking we're talking potentially heart attacks, we're talking strokes, we're talking full blown auto, uh, autoimmune conditions. Um, with 21% and they chose not to release that. They chose not to release that information that the 21% you imagine if your children are one of the 21% that have a severe adverse reaction to being injected. And of course you're being injected with something that is unnecessary to say the absolute, absolute least. So if we look at the numbers, and these are official numbers from ONS, and these are for the world, they're not just for the UK, they're from the world, so they're from places that are hit far worse than us, like America. So under 30 years old, if you're one of the unlucky few who actually gets coronavirus, and your chances to actually catch it, as we said earlier, 44 in 1 million. If you are one of those 44 in 1 million, and you're under 30, you have a 0.004% chance to die from it. If you're under 50, you've got a 0.002% chance. If you're under 70, you've got a half of a percent chance. And if you're over 70, that goes up as all um, uh, respiratory and influenza strains do, to about 5%. So basically anyone under 50... You've got a 0.02% chance to die if you are one of the 44 in a million people to get it. So basically, statistically, you've got a bigger chance of not winning the lottery but winning multiple lotteries one after another and then a plane landing on you once you've uh, cashed your tickets in and you're a a multi-billionaire. So we're not only having a, a vaccine... Brand new vaccine, brand new. Only started human trials in November 2020, but we're having a vaccine that's been rushed through. That's been rushed through in a pandemic when things are understandably a bit chaotic. One that is extremely fragile. That is even kept at the same temperature, and is knocked or damaged can be uh, can can be damaged. Can be uh, the, the the strain that they're injecting into you can if essentially be corrupted and a a technology that doesn't just inject a virus into you, as though you'd caught it. It's one that doesn't inject a virus into you at all. It doesn't put food in your mouth. It injects a blueprint that makes a virus inside you that uses your own cells that should be repairing your body and fixing you and keeping you healthy and keeping you strong. It forces those cells to stop doing good work and instead make... A virus. It's like your body's been hijacked to create this alien lab grown disease inside you. So you are a petri dish. That's what you become. They inject something into you and you grow a virus inside you. There are in any other degree. If I said, right, I am going to stick you with something and then something is going to grow inside you, at what point are you allowed to call it rape? That's what I'm wondering. Something that they're forcing inside you without your consent. And I was saying this earlier, there's been a little bit of back and forth about consent because the 1984 Control of Disease Act says that you cannot be forcibly vaccinated. And again, that's what a lot of the newspapers are and the media is relying on. They're saying, oh, don't listen to these people. You can't be forcibly vaccinated. And you can't. You can't be forcibly vaccinated. But that same act says, and I've got it in front of me. So it says if a justice of the police, uh, sorry, justice of the peace or a police officer thinks that you may be infected, that you can be kept in indefinite isolation or quarantine, that you can be subject to restrictions on where you go, who you go there with, or who you meet with, and that you can be made to abstain from working or trading and that is verbatim from the 1984 control of disease acts and again 80% of cases have been asymptomatic so if a police officer or a justice of the peace walks up to you and says I think you might have the virus you go, well I haven't I feel fine there's nothing wrong with me 80% of cases are asymptomatic so you you might have it and not know it and then how do you prove that you take a test but the tests always come up positive then you've got it how do you prove you definitely haven't got it i've had my vaccine so they've got you in this place where you cannot really using their their control method you can't get out of it And I brought this up, I saw this today, and I'm so glad I caught it just in time. So people go, don't be crazy, they wouldn't do that. And even though it's in there, they don't have any intention to do it. So a member of the public expressed her concerns to Nadine Doris, who is the Minister for Health and Social Care in the UK basically saying I've heard some rumors that the vaccines might restrict me if I, I'm not sure I want them yet and I'm not I, I've been hearing that I might not be allowed to travel I might not be allowed to go to work I you could say I'm not allowed to see my children because you can control in the 1984 disease act who I see and where I go with them you could take my children away from me or you could take me out of my my home and I want you to I want you to tell me that's not going to happen Minister of Health and social care so Nadine wrote back. The COVID vaccine will not be made mandatory. However, if you choose not to take the vaccine, then you will face restrictions to prevent you from infecting anyone else until society has achieved herd immunity. Your fundamental rights to choose whether or not you take the vaccine do not include a right to endanger others. Mass testing has proven successful in Liverpool and will be rolled out nationwide, but the testing is not compulsory. Now, one last bit and this is to go with the, the pcr testing as well so liverpool as many people know was a testing ground that was the first place where they brought the army in um they've given them all pcr tests and tens of thousands of people have come up positive boris johnson who had it before also had a recent pcr test and he's been in news because he tested positive and people have said boris johnson has this before you can't get this twice This particular strain, you can't get it twice. How has he got it twice? And Boris Johnson then underwent a a, a different type of test called a lateral flow test. And the lateral flow test showed that he actually didn't have it twice. It was a, a false positive. So the PCR test was wrong. Then they went back to Liverpool after this and they retested all the people that had had positive PCR tests with the new lateral flow tests, which are more accurate, which were actually designed to look for infectious diseases, where, again, the PCR tests were designed to look for forensic evidence. They weren't designed for infectious disease. So they went back, they tested all these positives for the PCR test with lateral flow tests. And 80% of those who tested positive, days later po- uh, tested negative with the lateral flow tests. So it shows you that the PCR tests they're using are wrong so when she's going mass testing has proven successful in Liverpool and will be rolled out nationwide what metric and what world is she saying that that a test that is showing as 80% false positive telling you you're positive when you're not has been in any way successful and when they're rolling the army down to you as well and they're knocking door to door How many people who just want a quiet life, just want to be left alone, just want to go to work, just want to go out with their family or see their family, how many people really have the option to do it? So again, check the 1984 Control of Disease Act. In there it says, if you don't have to take your vaccine, but if you don't take your vaccine, you cannot travel, you cannot work, you will be denied access to public transport. So you will not be allowed on a train, a plane, and eventually... I mean, who's to say that they can't stop you and say, you're driving in your car, you're travelling, you're one of the infected and and, and, and we our, our laws say that you shouldn't be travelling, you're, you're denied access to, to the roads and wherever you're going, you shouldn't be going there indefinitely until the country develops herd immunity. But not being funny, say we are vaccinated as people are against flu, Next year, there's a different strain of flu. Or with coronavirus, we're already being told about the mink coronavirus. So 12 million minks were killed in Denmark. They're, they're killing minks on mass over the globe right now. It is a, it's a, geno, a genocide of their population. So it's kind of the case where even if you are going, well, do you know what? I'm not going to get my vaccine. I'm going to wait for herd immunity. I'll wait for everyone else to be immune. Next year, after the vaccine for those that are left everyone's going to have the mink coronavirus in and herd immunity isn't achieved for that so they are holding you in a temporary limbo that you cannot escape from
0: unreal (laughs) unreal um wow yeah uh it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy i heard a little bit about the mink um one and um yeah, it just seems to it just seems to keep rolling and rolling, and um, this one isn't going to end.
1: It's not going to end, and it, it, I, I, I let you know it is quite interesting. When you mentioned about the financial incentive to test and put people on ventilators, it came out the other day that GPs individually, so for every vaccine that a GP successfully administers, they get a bonus of twelve pound fifty eight p per vaccine. So, the GPs themselves now are now being incentivized to encourage and push the vaccine. And you think when this goes on, we're going to have to get what's the population of this country? 60, 65, 69 million people are going to get vaccinated. So, you think the local GPs, when they're vaccinating tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of individuals individually, and they're getting £12.58 per individual vaccinated. They are going to be massively... Fina- it's a conflict of interest. They're going to be massively financially incentivized to encourage people to get the vaccine because that's going, to, that's going to equate to tens of thousands of pounds. And one last bit. I'm sorry I'm going on. Poor Chris.
0: No, no, no. no. This is interesting, man.
1: The, so there is uh, the UK MHRA which is uh, uh, basically the UK's Medicine Regulatory Authority. They have filed a public contract for a freelance software company, and they're going to pay 1.5 million for this software company to create a piece of AI software programmed to, and this is, again, verbatim from what the contract says, process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions. They're asking a the company to make a software to handle the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions. And this same company, if, if people have been following this and you've seen Bill Gates floating about a little bit, guess who just donated £980,000 to the MR. MHRA, who are looking for this AI software, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So saying there'll be nothing wrong with it, why is a a government medicine vaccine regulatory body paying millions for a company to make a specific piece of software to handle COVID-19-related adverse drug reaction reports?
0: Crazy. It's a bit like a story um, of a certain company that built um, a fantastic computer, and then they decided to build a a virus, and then um, and then they built the antivirus.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep.
0: it's classic. It's classic. But uh, hey, hell, uh, what do I know? You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's very very interesting. Um, some some big points I have to say as well. Um, I just wanted to um, just finally say, um, normally with vaccines, um, it takes about 18 months after the vaccine has come out to even like, you know, for them to consider it safe enough to use. um, and, And I just find it just difficult to even understand how it would even be case of uh six to nine months um not even that um uh, testing november um and rolling it out and saying 95 percent safe and yeah there's a lot of ins and outs on on that one and uh yeah um and also the um the 1984 um control of disease act um which you pointed out for them to talk about the vaccinations and then to say but you know uh, you will be restricted, it seems a little bit planned to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean they they could never ever. There sh- I mean so th- there should never be a but when it comes to the introduction of any kind of medical treatment whatsoever. I mean that's what's when when we had the. The Nuremberg Trials, I believe that's when many of the legislation came about because of all the forced um, treatments that were forced on on prisoners of war, on uh, uh, prisoners of war, on obviously the, um, the Jews in the uh, enslavement camps. Um, they were forced to go through the most disgusting and horrendous forced not not only vaccinations but just experiments and it was ruled at that time that human experimentation should never ever happen again which is why in our legislation and in everyone's uh, you know the constitution you're not allowed to conduct an experiment you're not allowed to hold someone down and inject them with anything but they can say well you don't have to get your vaccine but you will not fly you will not travel you will maybe not see your children or or your families if you don't do it and it i mean it is going to become the case where people have to make a choice whether they are essentially prepared to completely redesign their life into a new or perhaps an old an archaic system um absent certain individuals and it's an extremely difficult and extremely personal choice that you have to make. But do know, um and uh, I mean, this is one, one, I've said one final thing too many times. I do love my one final things. There were reports very early on in coronavirus that they had noted that people who had been infected with coronavirus, some of them were seeing fertility issues. Um And the So, they with the mRNA vaccine, the RNA, the blueprint, is wrapped inside of a, uh, like a capsule, a a microscopic um, cellular protein is wrapped inside. And the protein that they've chosen to use, and the Oxford vaccine wasn't using this protein. The Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, the one we're being pushed into, are using that protein. That protein has been used for decades in the sterilization of dogs and other animals so they will inject that protein into animals to sterilize them and they are wrapping this blueprint in this sterilizing uh, uh, uh this capsule so essentially you are being injected with something that has the possibility the possibility that it could end up in essentially sterilisation for you. Um, if you do want to look into this, um, they are called uh, nanoparticles and there is a article. If you just type into Google... Potential adverse effects of nanoparticles on the reproductive system. It literally goes over the full study uh, and tells you how these affect all the different cells and reproductive systems in your body. And again, that's specifically why they use it in animal chemical castration and sterilisation. So if you are thinking that this is something that you might consider and you're thinking about having children or you're thinking of injecting your children with a protein that they sterilise dogs with on a, on a daily basis. Please do your research first. Please, please, please do your research first because it makes a very macabre and scary sense that the Oxford vaccine was our holy grail. The one vaccine that didn't use these proteins actually used a safer protein to carry this, and the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine are using these these nanoparticle protein. That is a a reproductive and endocrine disruptor.
0: Wow, I think, uh, yeah, that that is a lot to absorb. And, um, whoo, yeah, I think uh, that last bit, uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's a lot. I, I'm, I'm speechless.
1: It's interesting because when it, if we take this vaccine. And in two years, five years, ten years, we start noticing we're having reproductive problems. I guarantee the one article that didn't get purged off the internet are the articles that said coronavirus is... is, We're noticing people being having sterilisation fertility issues once they've had coronavirus. And you'd never know because they had that data, that evidence back then saying that coronavirus can cause this. So fertility problems... You're going to link it back and you go, oh, we knew this. It was coronavirus. We shouldn't have waited so long to get the vaccine. If we did it earlier, less people would have been infected. And maybe now we're facing these problems with with reproductive health, which is already, if you have a look at male uh, fertility rates... um, For example, like uh, male sperm samples have showed a 50% uh, decrease in the last 50 years. So men are slowly turning, Uh, well, they're slowly being sterilized, and no one can equate to why this is. So scientists have said this is happening, and this is a real endemic situation. This is catastrophic. But we don't know if it's lifestyle factors, if it's the food, if it's the water. We don't know what's causing it. But we know that male fertility is just plummeting at a never-before-seen astronomical rate. And it's not, again, if you're thinking of maybe having kids or you're not sure, the one thing you don't need when you've got so much against you is to be injected with an animal sterilising agent um that's going to produ- that's going to damage your your fertility your chances of having a family your chances of being that 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 nuke one of the most arguably fulfilling experiences of an individual's life that you could be denied it is it worth it to save yourself from a 0.0003 percent chance of death if you are one if you're sorry if you're one of the 44 in a million that get it in the first place
0: you know what before i go and I, and um i think um in my head this is where i want to round it off for me um i would very much encourage you all to to have a look at two things that scream at me as you as you're talking about this agenda 21 and think tanks <laughs> the i'm not going to touch on it uh i'll probably say just have a look at those two um and uh yeah Um, i think uh, for me it's pretty clear where where that one's going
1: yep absolutely last sign off from me so as i said uh have a google try and find that uh that denmark mass study that proves they don't work um have a google of m uh how to say m M for mother rna romeo november alpha vaccines you will see that the first human trials on them were november 2020 for coronavirus um have a look uh, for the uh, email that came back from the Minister for Health and Social Care. One more time, her name is Nadine Doris, saying that restrictions will be placed, categorically will be placed on your right to travel um, and and, 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 do, and do your research. Honestly, have a look into these RNA vaccines. Have a look into nanoparticles. Um, what I would advise if you're listening to this now and you're thinking, cool, I want to research this, um, grab a pen and paper. Uh, backtrack over this and when I've mentioned the names of these studies or these uh, particular enzymes these proteins write the name down and then go forward and do your own research and you will quickly verify unfortunately that everything that we brought up tonight is is agonisingly true um, and now is the time to educate yourself now is the time to to, to make a decision where you're going to go for the future because if you make the decision now You have time to prepare physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, have time to prepare for everything that's coming. If you decide next year that stuff with the vaccine is making you uncomfortable, there's going to be no short time between you deciding you're not sure and them deciding that you're taking it or you're not working anymore. So do it now and protect yourself now. Give yourself that armour of now. Knowledge is power
0: hundred percent until that until next week i guess until next week guys thanks so much for listening thank you